Tabiso Musia on SAFM. Bunsima bom toalo butalo kwa no tabiso. Asibambin makosi kine umawande wilo veila sibambin dosgaba waiku bigot asibambin ba fit. Dosako, that's football. Thanks, Mawande. And Alpelimoya Ikosi. Never forget that. Alpelimoya. And there's a reason for that slogan. It's days like this when the team needs you the most. Kosi. But anyway, let's move right along because I'm talking about, I mentioned that story that the SAPC News Department broke um, uh, today, actually, Sports Department also as of, of SAPC. And Sfisora Mara joins us on the line. Good evening, as Mr. Sfisora Mara. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. Good evening, Tavis, and good evening to your listeners, my friend. It seems like there is another twist here in this Bafana Bafana coaching job. What have you been able to find out here? Because I see your story is about to trend and is doing the rounds on social media. Yeah, well, I managed to speak to someone who uh, gave me two names to say. It's either, uh, you know, it's going to be between Hugo Bruce and Carlos Quiroz. And we all know the situation with uh, Carlos Kiros. I mean, Safa, I spoke to the CEO, Tebuko Matante, last week. He confirmed that uh, have Rena and uh, um, have Rena and... Uh, Pizzo. The, yes, my brother. Was it have Rena and Pizzo? No, it was not. It was not Pizzo. It was Carlos uh, Oh, that they were out uh, of the race. Yeah, Pizzo, I think, uh, in, in, you know what, uh, in the, the in the short list that they had, uh, Tabiso, was, mm. they had five names. Mm. And four of those names were local coaches. Mm. So there was only one uh, foreign coach. And with Safa, uh, you know, um, stating that uh, Hevrena and Carlos Quiroz were never in the running, that left... Uh, Hugo Bruce as the only foreign coach that uh, was interviewed for the job. Yes, and actually Velele Mnyando told us yes, last night when we spoke to him that as much as people were saying Benny will be the coach, but he knows that Hugo Bros was also interviewed virtually last week and uh, Benny was also interviewed obviously and they met with him apparently, but Hugo Bros was still in the running. So your story today, Sviso Ramara says, Safa is expected to unveil Belgian Hugo Bros as the new Bafana Bafana coach. Is that the man that's now become the favourite? Yeah, I think... You know, all the facts we have uh, before us. Uh, I think uh, Safa, their man was was Benny uh, McCarthy, but obviously we all know what uh, the president of of I mean the president of Amazulu uh, openly uh, uh, spoke about his feelings. You know, you cannot uh, who's contracted to it. and most people were even questioning the time. For, for, for league owners, then you start, you know, uh, negotiations uh, behind, you know, the back of uh, the authorities at the club. So they were not very, very happy. But the thing that scared uh, Safa was that uh, Benny, I think he was keen to take over as Bafana coach, but he had, he made his own demands. He wanted to bring two of his assistants from Amazudu. He also wanted to bring his own uh, goalkeeper uh, coach, and he wanted all those three guys to be employed full-time by the South African Football Association. And I think it was going to be a, a very costly exercise. So 
I think that's the reason Safa uh, did not opt to go with uh, Benny McCarthy in this instance. Yeah, so the Benny McCarthy seems to have fallen through then. As you hear from Sfiso Ramara, who has written an article here on SABC News that says that Safa now expected to unveil Belgian Hugo Bros as the new Bafana Bafana coach. Let's just take a voice note. Tabiso, yeah, yeah, on the guard on uh, the next Bafana Bafana coach. Uh, if the reporter write that Hugo Bros is the next coach, I think that's the best decision. You know, I, we need the coach that is very experienced in terms of African football. You know, I understand people feel like Benny is the right man. Yeah, Benny can be the right man, but he lacks experience in terms of uh, coaching in the African continent. So take Benny, put him as the assistant coach. Yeah, and I think that will be the best combination for Wafana Wafana. Thank you. Okay, thanks for that. So, Brasviso, when do we expect an announcement now? I know they had said Wednesday and then they said sometime in the week. Do you have any idea when they could officially make this appointment? Both the CEO and head of uh, communication at uh, SAFA, Dominic Chimavi, mm. they both confirmed that uh, the conference is going ahead tomorrow. But to my surprise, I mean, I've been checking my emails, mm. uh, I've been checking... Uh, on WhatsApp, uh, there's no official invite that came through to invite us uh, as the media to come uh, to that uh, announcement. So I'm not too sure now whether that thing is still going ahead as, as planned. Yeah, even I've been checking for that invite and nothing has happened. And then some people will say, yeah, but there's a new name every day here. The media is speculating and they're throwing names around. Do you blame the media in this case or do you look at how South Safa have handled this appointment of the Bafana coach? You, you know, you, you, can't, you can't blame uh, the media, uh, Taviso. The names will always be, be thrown around. I mean, this was, I mean, has been kept to a top secret uh, ever since uh, um, the contract of... Uh, of uh, Mulifinteki was was uh, uh, cut short. I mean, uh, names will always be thrown around. I mean, initially, if I remember very well, there were reports that Safa got more than 200 uh, CVs or applications. So you can imagine everyone from uh, all four corners of uh, this world had applied for that job. But obviously, they had to trim down, uh, you know, those applications. And like I said, uh, they ended up with uh, the five uh, shortlisted candidates, local coaches, and uh, uh, one foreign coach. Okay, Svizoramara, great work. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM tonight, sir. It's a pleasure, my brother. SABC senior sports journalist there, Sofiso Ramara. And, and I agree with him. You can't blame the media here. Yeah, I know someone will say, but the media, has a, as, like I said, has a name every day. But I can... I can I can understand why the media went with Carlos Queiroz because they clearly got information that that was the candidate, that was the number one choice, and he was on the list there. That one fell through. And then Pizzo Musimane, even I can confirm it myself, having spoken to people that are very close to the situation. Unfortunately, sometimes people will give you information, but they won't want to come on record or they won't want to be quoted, but they will give you the information. It helps you for your own understanding. And we checked this and even Veli Lemnyando confirmed it last night that as late as last week, they were making a second approach to Pizzo Musimane. And they were very confident that they would get Pizzo Musimane last week. That one fell through. 
Next on the list was Benny McCarthy. And as we saw the reports there, they had met Benny in Cape Town after City thrashed, um, stay, was it? Was it Cape Town City? After Amazuru thrashed Cape Town City by five goals to one, they met with Benny and they agreed in principle with Benny. They agreed on everything with Benny and that's why the City Press and the other media went with Benny McCarthy then as the new coach because they had agreed. But it looks like that deal has fallen through at the last minute as we are hearing from Sviso Ramara uh, that maybe they're not happy with the technical team that Benny wanted to bring. I saw another report that said money could be an issue also when it comes to Benny. These were two different reports. Uh, apparently now uh, Safa turned back on when back on their word about uh, about the financial packages for Benny and his technical team and Benny and them were not happy with that. Obviously there's also the, the president of Amazulu, uh, Mr. Sandile Zungu, who also felt that these talks were done behind his back and it looks like that has fallen through. So it leaves Hugo Bros, I guess on the list like Velile Mnyando told us yesterday that to play it safe Safa then interviewed the rest of the three coaches that were remaining on that candidate's list so that if the one lets them down, at least they can say to the technical committee or to the NEC that we've got this one. He's also agreed. So today they met and it looks like now Hugo Bros is the name that they are left with. Yeah, no, it's been messy, uh, not been nice. It's been playing out ugly also in the media, the search for a new Bafana Bafana coach. And let's just hope it's over. We'll talk about the man when he's officially confirmed. If you've been listening to us, we've never come out to say that this is officially the new coach but we've been telling you what's been happening and updating you so we're going to leave Safa to make the announcement on the new coach but Sviso Ramara having spoken to his sources today is confident that Hugo Brusna will be announced as the new Bafana Bafana coach. Do we have a voice note about Bafana? We're going to go back to Chiefs but let's play a voice note about Bafana I know the cloud Leroy Tabs so that coach is my Walter Rootman of African football that one from nothing, he was going to put us somewhere. I'm telling you, that old man. But yeah, they must bring this guy with a lot of money in, in his pocket and then he won't go there again. Okay, there you have it then. Somebody is asking for Claude Leroy, but I've seen someone saying, no, no, no. Please don't bring that gentleman here to South Africa, uh, Claude Claude, Claude Leroy is 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 the man that's coached Senegal and is coached Ghana also. He was also manager of Togo, if I remember correctly. So yeah, that's another name there. Okay, let's go back to um to Kaiser Chiefs because I can see the reaction now. It is coming from Kaiser Chiefs, and we've got the reaction from Kaiser Chiefs coach Kevin Hunt after their two-one loss at TTM this afternoon, and we'll take your reaction after that. Coach, give us the impression of uh, what you saw in just uh, 90 minutes. Um, it's really difficult to explain. I don't know. Um, you know, you got, I, it's, it's, it's actually mind-boggling what I see, but I thought we deserved a little bit more again. But, um, you know, um, yeah, making mistakes. You know, so it's, it's, un, it's unexcusable to make mistakes like that, but um, we, you know, we just battle on. And then uh, two games in a row, penalty, Yeah, same player. Three. Well. Yeah, so it's certainly got your backs against the wall, it doesn't, doesn't help, but um, yeah, it is what it is. And then um, what does this uh, lose obviously mean to, to you and your ambitions? Well, lost. Um, yeah, you know, we've got four games left. We're going to have to try and win, certainly, uh, four of them, and then see from there. And then what you saw from the opponents? Did they bring to the game? Yeah, they kept going, obviously. Um, I still, you know, it was even until the red card. 
really even. Um, and then, you know, defending again. Um, but yeah. Uh, you still have lots of players out, and uh, well, what, what did you see out of the guys that uh, came in? I can't. Yeah, I don't really comment. I'll comment inside the dressing room with it. Um, so yeah. If now, uh, do you think it's an uphill battle, with, uh, especially with injuries, and now you face with a yeah. congested future? Well, it's been like, we got a, this is the longest break we're going to have now, seven days, so we'll have a couple of days, and after what we've been through the last three weeks, it's crazy, well, since December, so we'll have a couple of days and try and regroup and, uh, and go again. Okay, that's a very dejected Kaiser Chiefs coach and Kaiser Chiefs corporate communications officer there, uh, Vinama Posa. Very disappointed with that win. And, and, and he's saying that it's the same player again that's causing the penalty. I couldn't watch all of the game. I saw the penalty. Couldn't watch all of the game. Was it Ngezana? I think it was Ngezana that caused the penalty. But correct me if I'm wrong then. Is it the same player that Gavin Hunt is referring to to say that it's the same player? That is um, that is costing them again because I think in their last game um, there was a penalty recently that was caused by Ngezana. So it must be him. It must be the same player that Kevin Hunt is talking about. But as I mentioned, there is so much reaction. Let's take some of the reaction on Chiefs. Good evening, Tabiso. Uh, I just want to say uh, big up uh, Dan Kienko. Chagoma Chamazi Vandela, you guys did a very good job against uh, this team that uh, you know they've been taking too much on the street lately. Uh, after beating Sundowns, so I'm a Sundowns fan, by the way. So I'm very happy with the with the win uh, for Chakuma, and this is Noko Pedro. Uh, good evening, Tabiso. Butingo on the Indo Indian Cape. Tabiso, although I'm a Pirates supporter, fan, fan, fanatic, connoisseur, call them all, but. Uh, it pains me big time when Kaiser Chiefs is losing like this. I want them to be in the top eight. We c- I can't allow Pirates uh, to be <coughs> ruled by Pretorians in the top eight. Imagine if Pirates qualifies for top eight and Supersport and Sundowns are there. They will hammer me. Then I'm praying that Chiefs must win two, three games so then they can find themselves in the top eight. Thank you. Butinko and Gindo in the Eastern Cape. Good evening, Intertetabiso. I honestly disagree with Bafana if they go for a foreign coach instead of a local coach. We have a lot of talent that we can t- uh, tap into it. Benny McCarthy is there. Efre Mashaba is there. Um, P- 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 Pito Motsimani and a lot of other local, even Blue Fortune Society coaches, even there. So, why are they insisting on going for a foreign coach? Whereas we can even go for other black African coaches who can help manage the issue of Bafana because Bafana is being having a challenge from the grassroots, not just the top. It's Bramoro in Bloomfontein. Okay, thanks, Bramoro. Mixed views there on Chiefs and on, on, on Bafana Bafana. Thanks for that. And yeah, it was Ngezana that cost them the penalty there. He did the same against Celtic in that 2-2 draw. And Bramoro, just back to you. I still think that 
even if we bring Pep Guardiola here, he's not going to solve our problems. Our problems as a footballing nation are not with the coaches. We've brought the best here, Carlos Alberto Barrera, but couldn't even get us out of the group stages, became the first host nation in a World Cup not to get out of the group stages at the time in 2010. So he couldn't do that. So clearly, that's not where our problem is, regardless of who we bring in as a coach here. Our problems are much deeper uh, than that. And they also start at the top also with the people in charge. And you can just see uh, how badly this uh, Bafana Bafana coaching appointment has has been handled. I know that CEO advocate Deboko Mutlante is hasn't been long in the position, but he definitely has also not covered himself in glory in the handling of this appointment because he was tasked with going to find this new Bafana Bafana uh, 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 coach here. It's just been messy. It's not been nice to report on. And that's why there's been speculation and different names in the media. And if Safa indeed had their coach the first time, the first time when they cancelled that press conference on Saturday, Saturday when a lot of people thought it was going to be Carlos Queiroz when they said that they're going to announce. Why couldn't they just release a statement and say, okay, here's our coach. This is our coach. He, he can't be here for other reasons or what, what. He can't be part of the press conference, but we have a name and he'll come to the country when he's ready. And then I think that would have that would have been better than postponing and postponing and postponing and releasing numerous statements after that. So as you can see with how this matter has been handled, our problems are beyond just a person that can coach Bafana Bafana. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go to the UK. Uh, let me apologize. We cannot. We will not get hold of Akane Simbini tonight. Um, there has been a miscommunication of, of sorts and Akane won't be able to speak to us tonight as promised, but we'll try and get him again um, later in the week. If not, we'll get him next week, but um, that one won't happen tonight. But we're still going to talk about what happened at Old Trafford after this break. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And I know the Man United fans have been tweeting us since we announced that we'll go over to the UK to talk about what happened on a Sunday. So here we go. We are joined on the line by sports writer of the Daily Telegraph, Jim White. Jim, good evening again from us. Thank you for finding time to speak to us in South Africa. We really appreciate it. Uh, good evening, Peter. No problem at all. Thanks, Jim. I mean, we saw what happened on Sunday. We saw the scenes before the game. How do you describe what happened on Sunday in your own words, in your own opinion? an interesting one i thought it was I, I this is going to sound odd but actually i thought it was rather like the scenes we saw at the capitol building in january in washington dc in that there was a big gathering of protesters uh and they realized that the security around old trafford was very very lax and a number of them, I don't think it was ever their intention, I don't think it was ever their belief that they could manage to break into the stadium, get onto the pitch. And once they were there, rather like the invaders at the Capitol, they weren't sure what to do other than take a few selfies and then leave. I think the reason why the protest went ahead was very different from the Capitol. But I think that the the combination of an incensed crowd and a very poor security led to it escalating far more than was ever the intention of those involved. Some have described it as violence, that uh, they were violent, the protesters there, and uh, and uh, that act must be condemned. Um, is that what it was? Was it, was, it vi- was it violent, in your opinion? I don't think it was, actually, to be honest with you. I mean, there was 
uh, you know, somebody kicked a door down. Uh, there was a flare thrown um, and uh, somebody threw something which hit a policeman. But I don't think violence was on the mind of the protesters. And in fact, um, I was speaking uh, with somebody who was inside the stadium and, and it, 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 their, their description was that everyone looked a little confused as to what to do next once they got inside it. So I wouldn't use the word violent. I think what was a lot of strong opinions and I think that the, the whole anti-glazer movement in Manchester, which has been around since the family took over the club back in 2005, was kick-started and given new impetus by the uh, Super League idea uh, a couple of weeks ago. That was, for many um, a United fan, a kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And so what exactly do the fans want then? Uh, what do they want to happen? Well, I think ideally they would like the Glazers to reduce their ownership and allow 50% of the club to go into fans' uh, hands, much as they are in Germany. I think that's fanciful. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that the ownership model in England has gone too far to ever allow that to happen. However, I think... The Glazers, uh, if they were to sell, would require a very large um, fee for Manchester United. They'd be looking at something like four billion, three and a half billion pounds. And that reduces the pool of people prepared to take it on to a very small one. And some of whom are particularly unsavory people who you wouldn't want to be associated with. So it's a tricky one for the Manchester United fans. What I think they want is um, an owner who is far more engaged in what the club means rather than in trying to seek a profit and extract money from it. And do you think with what we saw on Sunday, Jim, they were, they were able to get their message across because it led to the postponement of one of the biggest games on the calendar? I think they were surprised by the fact that the, the game was postponed. <laughs> I actually think the Premier League has is, is, is shot itself in the foot here by, in a sense, giving way by postponing the game. Now I think every fan who wants to make their voice heard knows a way they can do it. They can just, uh, uh, you know, during lockdown, get onto the pitch and, and the game will be abandoned. I think that's, it's giving an open invitation card to protest groups. What I think they were trying to do um, brought new attention to their dislike for the owners. And of that, you know, there can be no doubt. I mean, the the ownership of Manchester United has been at a war with the supporters for 16 years. Initially, back in 2005, a group of Manchester United supporters were so worried about the direction likely to be taken by the Glazer ownership that they created their own fan-owned club called FC United of Manchester. Um, and others said, no, no, we'll fight on. There was the famous green and gold um, protests back in 2010. And there was the great moment when David Beckham picked up a green and gold scarf when he was playing mm. for uh, AC Milan and wore it. But nothing changed then. And I'm not absolutely sure that anything is going to change this time to be so. The Glazers don't go to matches. They don't really worry if the fans hate them. They make a lot of money out of it. Their asset is always increasing in value. I can't see them 
turning away because a couple of hundred got on the pitch and took selfies of each other. And you've mentioned the, the, the green and gold, and they were wearing that green and gold. Even the flares that they were lighting up at Old Trafford were green and gold. Just talk to us about the significance of these colours. The significance of the green and gold was that back in 1878, when the club was formed as Newton Heath Railway uh, uh, team um, for the railway workers of an area of Manchester, there was a big railway works. Railway workers got a team together called Newton Heath. And in 1902, Newton Heath became Manchester United. And the green and gold was the initial colours. They changed to red in 1902. And I think what the symbolic meaning of the green and gold was, this was a team created by working people in Manchester. And this was symbolic of those um, kind of uh, principles and meanings which had been eroded uh, by the Glazer ownership. So it was sort of a throwback to the original origins and meaning of the club. Uh-huh. And then you mentioned that you don't expect the Glazers to be moved by this because they've seen it throughout their time at Manchester United. But they've, have they officially responded or do we take the club statement as the official response? No, they haven't officially responded. Interestingly, after the Super League Farago, Joel Glazer, who is the most active of the Glazer sons, he's often uh, attends matches um, and Actually, I think probably likes football. Um, I think most of the other family members just regard it as a business and they're not involved. Joel Glazer is. He issued a statement um, saying uh, we are prepared to listen to the fans. That statement hasn't been followed up with anything practical. There hasn't been any meaning or, or, or meeting with the fans. And in fact, some might say that the demonstration itself showed a complete lack of listening to the fans because the fans on social media had been talking about this demonstration for about Mm -hmm. a week beforehand. It wasn't kept quiet. It Mm. wasn't secret. But no one at United paid any attention to that. Otherwise, they might have got better security involved. There are accusations that the stewards could have opened the gates for them. Is there any confirmation of that? No. In fact, I think I've seen... um, Uh, footage of somebody kicking a door down. Interestingly, uh, Old Trafford, I don't know if you've been to me so recently, Old Trafford is not what it was. It was this magnificent stadium that was ahead of the game um, back in 2005, the biggest stadium in English football at that time. Mm. Um, And the Glazers have not added anything to it. It's very dilapidated. Um, terrible legroom, awful cues for any of the, uh, uh, of the um, uh, refreshment stalls. It, it's, it's a really, really tired place in comparison to the new stadiums like the magnificent Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or the Etihad Stadium uh, at Manchester City or indeed the new stand at uh, Anfield. Mm. Very tired. And actually, in a way, you know, that was symbolic that they could easily get ingress into the stadium. You'd never get close to getting into the new Tottenham Stadium. It's too secure. And, And that, in a sense, was symbolic of of how the glazers have not invested in the infrastructure there
Okay, well, it doesn't sound appealing at all. No wonder I've not been to Old Trafford, but I've been to the Emirates a few times. That's a beautiful stadium, that. <laughs> <laughs> and and you've mentioned, Jim, that you, you, you think that this could send a message now to the other fans around the world that, hey, if you want to get a game postponed or if you want to get your message across, this is what you do because just... 200 people invade, invade the pitch and then the Premier League will call the game off. Do you expect it to, to have a domino effect that some of the fans that are not happy that could, they could also follow this, this protest now? Oh, I, I, I have no doubt about that. I mean, uh, you know, also, listen, let's go back in history. This is, this is you know, uh, uh, back into the ancient myths of time. But in 1974, Manchester United uh, were uh, playing Manchester City in a match which, incredibly, if they lost, they would be relegated from the old first division. Hard to believe that any club of United stature would be relegated. But in 1974, they were on the lip of relegation. And the fans invaded the pitch in an attempt to get the game called off. And the authorities refused to. They finished the game early, and that was it. The points were lost, and Manchester United were relegated. Now, it seems, well, if you invade the pitch, you can get the game called off. And and I suspect there will be a lot of disgruntled fans not just disgruntled about their fan ownership, about the ownership of their club, but disgruntled about their position in the league who will find a way to um, get games postponed now. I think the I think the Premier League gave in far too easily. At least some of the fans realised that their dream of playing football on the pitch at Old Trafford. I thought that was interesting <laughs> that they were able to yes, take football. They had a penalty <laughs> shootout. Yeah. They had a penalty shootout. I think they all missed. Uh, but yeah, they... <laughs> They did. Yes. And, and uh, Jim, are they, are they united fans uni- united in, in this protest? Or are there some fans that felt that the other fans went too far by, by, by invading the pitch? I think it's interesting. There's a, there's a, there is a, and always has been something of a divide between the match-going fans, um, uh, the ones who actually go to the stadium, and, and those who watch on TV around the world and let's face it united are a global brand there would have been hundreds of people in south africa who count themselves as manchester united fans who will have been hugely disappointed that the biggest game of their season against the old rivals liverpool didn't go ahead as a result of this protest and they will not have approved of it understandably so i think amongst the match going fans uh, at, at uh, uh, manchester united who follow them go to Old Trafford, there would be more sympathy. Interestingly, I think the match-going fans also differ on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think a lot of the match-going fans are very supportive of the manager, whereas there are a lot of fans on social media, fans abroad, fans, distant fans, we should call them, who, who feel he's not up to the job. So, you know, I think it's definitely, definitely not to be so a united, united support. <laughs> well, I can tell you when the scenes were shown on TV here in South Africa, a lot of the fans were saying some some South African football fans should copy what's happening at Old Trafford because some of the big teams here in South Africa are not dominating as they used to back in the day. Even now, a gentleman called Bongi Kuala, that name sounds familiar, says, I think football-loving South Africans must pull a united 
a Sunday Man United stunt on our football association and put an end to this madness once and for all. Okay, he's talking about this uh, search for a new coach of our national team here, which has been messy. But Jim, I just want to take a quick break and we'll wrap up after this break. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Let's hear what our listeners are saying on Twitter. Matimu Wagashikombe, hashtag Glazers out. That's very simple, but let's hear the voice note. Evening member and Katlehode, please ask your guest if there's any chance, any chance at all that for whatever reason the Glazers could possibly sell if maybe somebody enticed them with $4 billion or something. Please, because we need our club back. We can't watch Manchester City come and overtake us like this. It's embarrassing for football. Hi, Tabiso. This is Brian from Free State. I'm a strong Liverpool supporter. So I want to know about the postponed image. What will happen? Are they going to rearrange for another day? Or they will just give the three points to Liverpool? Because hey, we desperately, we desperately as Liverpool need the three points even by hook or by crook. Hey, thanks, Tabiso. This is Brian from Free State here. Okay, thanks, Brian, from Free State there. By the way, I must tell you that that match being postponed led to Man City not being crowned champions because they would have been crowned champions if Liverpool had beaten Man United that day. So the United fans did well to delay to delay it for another couple of days. Uh, Jim, is there any idea of what the status of the match is? What will happen? Well, initially there was talk of it. Um, there's very, very few uh, uh, points in the calendar where it can be included. I mean, for instance... Uh, uh, Manchester United are, are, are playing in the Europa League semi-final this midweek, so they can't have a game then. They've got a rearranged fixture against Leicester City uh, n- midweek next week, uh, and then the the the, um, the season's almost coming to an end thereafter. Um, it'll have to be squeezed in somewhere. I I can't imagine uh, that uh, Manchester United will um, just cheerfully uh, allow Liverpool to take the three points. It's going to be played. Um, I suspect they'll have to just squeeze it in on a Monday when, um, you know, they haven't got other games and probably they're going to have to um, play three games in that in that week. Sure. And then there was also a question about whether the Glazers would be willing to sell if somebody comes with the right offer. Yes, I think they would be willing to sell. I mean, they're in it for the money and always have been in it for the money. And if the if a large uh, a large bid came in, I can't see them turning it down. But let's go back to who could afford it. You know, it's a very very limited market of people who are out there uh, who who could afford it. It's it's it's. It's not something, unfortunately, to be so you and I could ever afford to do. <laughs> Definitely not. And we also saw Ed Woodward stepping down, Jim. What's the significance of that? Yes, that was an interesting uh, sort of uh, effect of the, of, of the Super League. Um, he resigned when the Super League collapsed, saying that he was planning to leave at the end of this year anyway. Um, the announcement of his uh, resignation was brought forward. Um, I'm not sure about that. I think he was actually a a significant architect of the Super League plan. And I think the Glazers were very, very keen on the Super League plan. Mm -hmm. I think that they, I mean, Joel Glazer was going to be the um, 
vice chair of the uh, Super League. I think that they were very keen on getting it through because they felt it was a way of ensuring significant income. Whereas the Champions League, which, you know, they'll be in next season, Mm. it provides significant income, but it's not guaranteed. That's what they were hoping for. And I think Woodward's failure to get that through, Woodward's failure to basically... (sighs) Uh, advised the Glazers on on it uh, efficiently um, meant that he he wasn't going to be able to carry on working with them. So I'm not surprised uh, to see him go. Not uh, not a a man much. His departure is not much mourned amongst Manchester United fans, let's put it that way. They never really rated him or thought he did the job well. And how do they look at the season, the Man United fans? Second, 13 points behind Man City with the game in hand. They have one foot in the final of the Europa League. They'll be playing Champions League football next season. Is it a good enough season for a, a team like Man United? I think they've got to win the Europa League. I think they need silverware. I think that's part of the Manchester United DNA is to win silverware, even if it's a second-rate trophy like the Europa League. And let's not pretend it is anything other than a second-rate trophy. However... I think there is progress. If you look at Manchester United when they came back against Roma in the second half of that Europa League game, they showed authority, they showed tenacity, they showed ability. And I think those are three things that Manchester United fans crave. They're not there yet. They need a couple more world-class signings. I think they're getting there. I think they're still well behind Manchester City, so they really need to make a couple of big signings in the summer to get even close to where City will be, particularly if City pick up someone like Harry Kane or Erling Haaland. Um, But I think United are really, really progressing and are better now than they have been at any time since Sir Ferguson retired. Jim White, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for being kind enough to always give us some of your time here in South Africa. We really appreciate the insight. Thanks, man. All the best. Thank you, Jim White. Uh, they're speaking to us all the way from the UK sports writer for the Daily Telegraph. So that is what's happening at uh, Men United there. Hey, Bongekwala, you are promoting violence here, my friend. Football-loving South Africans must pull a Sunday Men United support stand on Safa and put an end to this madness once and for all. That one whom I shall not mention by name, must leave our beautiful football. Ho, ho! What has happened to our Bonge Kuala? Not mincing his words there, but I hear you. And a lot of people actually agree with you, Bonge Kuala, because no, this search for a Bafana Bafana coach has been very messy, folks. It's not nice. Anyway, we're going to have to leave it there. We do apologize for not getting Akani Simbene once again. We will set it up again um, when the time is right. Let me just remind you again, the football score from today, TTM 2, Kaiser Chiefs 1.